Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow, the Tuesday edition. We are glad you're with us. Coming up, Mary Catherine Ham will join us later this hour. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can do uh, all things shows, streaming live, plus on-demand full shows. The subtle brilliance of an Arnold Palmer. Just sweet tea That's and lemonade. lemonade. Yeah. Out of the fountain here. Every now and again, I try to just do it once every two weeks. I just this it, is your and treat. Once, once you start, you can't stop. I you? think this is my fourth Arnold Palmer today. Sweet tea, lemonade, just delicious. I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, but uh, you cracked me up with your Chad Withrow in nature. Nature. Do you remember uh, where Will Ferrell would be Robert Goulet? Oh, yeah. The singer? Oh, yes. I, 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 we would always quote that in college, that sketch where he was. Who was And that? he would just say, like, nature. Remember he would have the, like, squirrel that yeah. was talking to him? Who, who was he in the, uh, in the hot tub? The lover. Oh, the uh, with uh, Rachel Dratch. Yes. The the scene. What with happened her? to her? I, I don't know. She was on uh, one of the podcasts I listened to recently. Still very funny, but uh, not not doing a ton that I'm aware of. I mean, the Will Ferrell is Robert Goulet. Dartmouth. She went to Dartmouth, Chad. Yeah, I, I've got a nice spot. We're doing those teaser videos for the show every yeah. day, and I'm trying to go to some different spots. But on my walk through my neighborhood, there's a creek uh, by the Nature Trail. And uh, I, I call it the nature trail. I don't think anybody else does. But I like to go by I'm that sure creek. Is. You know, it's a little bubbling brook and a creek. And I, I like to do the video from there every day. In uh, nature. In nature. Uh, There's also a sick raccoon in our neighborhood. How do you know? And the Facebook page. So one of the buddies in my neighborhood, it was out in front of his house. And the, the raccoon was just licking his tail over and over. It looked like a, a, a child raccoon. It was a baby raccoon. Not very big. And it's just like meandering like it's drunk throughout the neighborhood. Yeah. And I just got an update on the neighborhood Facebook page. It has wandered into a lady's garage. Oh, no. And they can't get it out, and they've called animal control. Here comes Chad to the rescue. Yeah. He's a, he's a pickup man now, so he qualifies. You want to take care of that raccoon? There's a raccoon. Pour out uh, some antifreeze. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> that'll, that'll take care of it pretty quick. My grandparents. Uh, I told you about my dog that got had, poisoned yes. by antifreeze when I was a kid. That was traumatic. <laughs> but it shaped you into the... Yeah, and I, I am convinced. I know, I know the house Man. that poisoned oh. the dog because my dog got in a fight with another dog. Was this the Mastiff? And ripped no? its tail. No, this was um, it was Way half. It was, it was a mutt. It was half Chow, half something mean. My dog Ben, Rescues are the ben best, was the dog's breed. name. Yeah. Very mean. Ben. R.I.P. Ben. Yeah, Ben was poisoned. Chad, uh, there's not much that Charles Barkley says that I don't think. You know what? That's very well thought out. You know, he's, he processes in the moment, but also you can tell that he's thought about pretty much anything he's going to just spout. And we've said this for a while with the NBA. The fans, uh, by and large, we, we don't care, the sports fans, about the regular season. Wake me up whenever it's the conference finals, if that. Uh, and here's Barkley discussing the state of the NBA with Stephen A. Smith on his show. How are you feeling about the NBA product compared to what it once was? Well, I think you have to be concerned uh, as everybody has to be concerned because the one thing you can't do is alienate your fans. That's the one thing you can't do because the fans make everything go. You know, they buy our products. They watch our sport. And once you piss them off, Stephen A, that's going to be some repercussions. You know, Fans gonna be saying, "Wait a minute, this guy's making fifty million dollars a year, and he gonna rest on some nights. He don't want to play basketball." Like I say, the most games you're gonna play in a week is four. I think most people, like I say, yeah, I'm pretty. Like I say, I'm pretty sure everybody don't want to go to work all the time. Right. But if you're gonna make fifty, sixty million dollars a year and just say, "Hey, you know what? I'm only gonna play two out of three, three out of four. 
at some point the fan going to be saying, wait a minute, you're charging me this much for tickets. Why in the world should I care if they don't care? And I think we're what's going to be interesting with this new TV deal when guys start making even more money and then like you have a guy making 75, 80, 90, God, God forbid, $100 million a year to play basketball. Right. And the guy says, you know, I'm on rest tonight. At some point, the fans going to be saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've had enough. If this dude don't care about me. And that's the one thing that concerns me going forward. Man, we're the luckiest dudes in the world to play basketball. We're the luckiest dudes in the world. If you look at sports landscape, you look at sports landscape, Nobody get paid better than basketball players. Nobody. Well, I mean, you've got players who want to reduce the minimum number of games to qualify for uh, MVP or any of the other awards. You know, from what sixty? Yeah, he's he, he's spot on here. Yeah, he's great. He he's spot on on this, and, and I talked about it with the All Star Game. Well, I watch All Star Weekend and the All Star Game, and I, I I just see another symptom of the diseased NBA that is just complete malpractice when it comes to serving their fans. And, and that's what I see with the NBA All-Star Weekend and the All-Star Game. It's just such a lack of care. The care factor is so low. Never been lower in the NBA Think about the, for actually caring about your fans. And he is dead uh, on right. And, and not enough people will say it, but if you're going to get paid that much money, you show up to work and you play your ass off in every game. Right. I don't want to hear about load management. I don't want to hear about three-quarter speed in the regular season or any of that. Like you, It's so noticeable to watch NBA regular season and see the lack of care from players. And it's a huge problem. And coming from Charles Barkley, who has lived it as a player, lived it as an analyst of the league, players need to perk up and hear that and not just immediately shut it down as, oh, he's just an old man crying that he didn't make as much money as we do. No, there's a lot of knowledge with what Charles Barkley is saying about the league right now. I just wish players currently would, would actually hear it. Well, and I mean, the, the former players are saying it's up to the players to make it work for the All-Star game. But like, I don't know if you saw this on social, it was making the rounds, but it, it compared like the 1999 NBA All-Star game. And you saw how they were playing the game. Michael Jordan's going one-on-one, trying to defend uh, one of his uh, Western Conference foes. He would go head-to-head with Kobe Bryant, you know, a few times early in Kobe's career, too, at the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, but but the final score in that, no one remembers, but you remember the competition. Shaquille O'Neal dunking over uh, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, posterizing him, right? Like, uh, and then you had the the dunk contest that led into the All-Star game. I forgot who it was. It may have been Garnett. Who, and Garnett's unbelievable with his takes. He may, I think it was him. He said, you know it's going to suck, the All-Star game, based on the, the tenor of the dunk contest at All-Star Saturday night. And if there's just kind of a malaise to it, where the best thing going is whatever uh, Reggie Miller was spouting off about um, Smith, then... The, then we get the product that we get. Here's the other thing. Right now, ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery, they pay $2.6 billion each year to televise about 165 games. Now, this contract coming up, and the postseason games, they average about 5 million viewers in total. You have, uh, I believe it's 2022, it's Forbes that says it, it gave, the regular season games average 1.6 million viewers. Um, with all of that knowledge and knowing that what Barkley's saying is accurate, this was a league that three years ago said they were, go- they were eyeing like a $75 billion TV contract. What are they going to end up getting now? Why would you want that product and load up to the max to show some of this effort or lack thereof because it really doesn't matter until you get to the NBA Finals? And I'm not even sure if the majority of those that are just your average sports fan even really care unless you have the one individual that's like you've got the the prime star that's playing. It wasn't Denver last year. We know that. It it needs a reset. How do you do it, I'm going to say it as plain as possible. I think how you do it is these guys start to make less because the TV contract money is less. 
But and, that's uh, still going to go up, though. I mean, I probably, and I don't understand how, because the ratings are not good. I, I, it seems interest, even Charles Barkley saying it, is at an all-time low. This from Forbes, uh, and this was uh, late last year. There are numerous reports the NBA will more than double and possibly triple the total fee for its next media agreement, with annual rights fees possibly approaching $8 billion. Although the rights fees would still lag behind the top-rated NFL as the most lucrative sports media rights agreement, in some areas, the NBA is more popular. In some areas? Um, well, areas it, that don't have an NFL team. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. those, are, those are the areas where but, they only have... You but know, I don't in, even know in, if it's that. In Portland... I would say the NBA is more popular than the NFL. Well, when they're good, you know. It, what, what about in Memphis? We would say that. No. No. Look, I, I don't know what it's going to take. It. It's going to take a, a different set of star players that get it and that go all out and that have more of a Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley mentality about the game. Yeah. And there's going to need to be some nostalgic elements to the game in terms of hustle and how guys go about competing. And if that starts to happen, then we're going to see another uptick. The, the finances of that league blow my mind that they can demand that much money in, in television contracts and everything else because I see what those national games on ABC, the numbers they pull, and it's nothing. Yep. It is nothing compared to other big-time sporting events. When you look at the Saturday night games or, or whenever they're playing those, some during the week now, I know, too. It's just – it's not – certainly not comparable to the NFL, but not comparable to college put, football, to a lot of different things out there. So I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but I do understand effort, and I certainly understand a lack of effort when I'm seeing it. And that's what I see routinely in the NBA, and that's got to change. Um, and that's exactly what Charles Barkley's saying. LeBron has changed his tune on the media response to Bronny, Bronny James. It wasn't that long ago that LeBron was touting that his son could take an NBA roster spot right now, away from an NBA player. Ready to go right now. Could help us right now. And now he's responding on social media because ESPN in their 2024 NBA mock draft didn't list him drafted. They had him projected as a 2025 draft pick. And a post that LeBron has removed says, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works. Earned, not given. Now, on the surface, I'm totally fine with this. But the fact that he's doing the exact opposite from what we saw literally weeks ago where he's saying, yeah, uh, Bronny can take a roster spot right now. Come on, man. You can't say both and expect the media to just regurgitate whatever you're posting. And it's tough to do that anyway whenever you're deleting these posts as you move forward. And I, yeah, all, He's never complained I'm, about a, a positive no, column but, or tweet or post about his but son. I'm, but all, I'm all now for say, let's not, let's let not him talk be about a college kid. Sure. Uh, let him be a college kid in 2025. What's wrong with that? We're one step closer to Vegas' franchise anyway. He's averaging five points per yes. game for an 11-16 and 16 team. That's one of the worst in the Pac-12. He says, uh, it goes on to post, and to all the other kids out there striving to be great, just keep your head down. Blinders on and keep grinding. These mock drafts doesn't matter one bit. I promise you. Only the work matters. Let's talk real basketball, people. Okay. Let's talk real basketball and say that he wasn't going to take an NBA roster spot. There's no need to say that. Yeah, I mean, let's talk real basketball and say that your son is averaging five points per game for an 11-16 and 16 team in college basketball and needs more now, work, grind, everything you're talking about. He needs more of that before I, he's an NBA player. I want to say... Just That's to, not out of line to say. It's still... It's, I won't say it's stunning because we've seen it before. It is remarkable that he had a heart attack and now he's back on the floor doing something. Yeah, I, I was Months reading. Later. I was reading in this story. I, I didn't remember them coming out and saying exactly what it was, but they said it's a congenital heart defect. Is the thought as to why he had this episode where he went to cardiac arrest? He needed CPR, right? Yeah, he went to cardiac arrest. 
Um, but it's some sort of congenital heart defect. And I'm thinking, I, I, I'm assuming that's figured out now. I pray it is. I, I know. He's playing and everything's fine, but that doesn't – I heard that and I'm thinking, that doesn't sound like something that goes away. Right. I'm it's sure a, you can a, get it fixed in some way, but um, that, that's something to watch. But, again, saying that he's not going to be drafted this year and he needs to go back to school for another year – is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But the clock is ticking. I mean, LeBron sure. James isn't going to play that much longer. Uh, he has put in a lot of but games it, over the he, course of his career. You're right. And multiple extra seasons based on the postseasons. And he has made uh, – he's not hiding the fact he wants to play with them. Yeah. And he will. And he hasn't, he hasn't been hiding the fact that he wants to be a part of the ownership team that goes to Vegas. And he will. Bronny will be there. Ready to go. It is time to hit the road, Chad. Time to see what Davey's doing as Davey's the America. bus driver here. Yeah, Davey's America, the bus tour, on the bus, off the bus. Taking a tour across the country. Guys, we've not gotten into this conversation yet, but we do know that Bill Belichick will not be on the sidelines this coming fall. And so a lot of the speculation has been around, will he join the TV booth or a panel? So for today's on the bus, off the bus, we're going to start in Foxborough. Massachusetts, and Bill Belichick joins a TV network for NFL commentary this fall. Uh, Chad, I'm on the bus with this. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I think it's going to happen. I, I've been watching the Dynasty, the Apple TV Plus, Apple TV docuseries. I think it's going to be 10 parts. I'm four or five, four episodes in. I just finished the Spygate episode. And I like the way it breaks it down, but the first two episodes deal with the first season alone. Then they kind of skip ahead after that. But it takes two full episodes to get through that first Super Bowl and that win against the Rams. It's really well done. It's very much uh, the last dance, the way it's produced and shot and the way they go back in time and show guys early in life or early in their career. Not as good as the last dance, but really good. But I say all that to say Bill Belichick, when he wants to talk ball and he actually has a desire to speak, is very good at speaking. I see this in clips of him early in his career. He was light years better with the media. Look at him on NFL films. When he started out. When he's talking about old football stuff, he's great. But even talking with his team, addressing the media back in 2001, totally hey, different guy. That Spygate changed him forever. Well, no, That's no. where he completely shut down and wouldn't say anything. No, and he still that does. Rough exterior. He still does. The long answer that he did on the long snapper spot. Remember this? Yeah. Like last year, two years ago. Uh it's all about where he wants to take it and the history of whatever. See, I, just spitballing here, I think something with NFL Network fits him through NFL Films. And you could also tie in the ESPN partnership with NFL Network, ESPN, or NFL Media, and you could have him do a very similar show to what Brady did, the Brady film study, you know what I'm saying, the series. Yeah. He could do something like that easily. And he could break down the greatest players of all time. Because yeah. that's where he could just rock and roll. I hope he does something like that. I'd love to have um, Bill's places, the way they have Peyton's places and Eli's places. I'd like to see him do a, a history series on the league and talk to different people and go through that. I really think yeah. he'd be good at it. Yes. As crazy as that sounds, because we think Bill Belichick, we think mumbling yep. about onto Cincinnati and wearing a hoodie on the sideline and, and cut off sleeves. I think he'd be terrific at any of that, but I'm, I'm on the bus, yeah, Dave. I, I do think he's going to take a job somewhere. Can I, can I quickly just throw out a, a, a one that sounds crazy, but we saw it work? Go for it. Pat McAfee. Saban went that, and did that. What do you mean? Belichick. Like a weekly guest? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he'd, he'd be good on anything like that. I want to see him do more than that. Say, what would, I, I what would say, it take I, to get I, him in the booth with Brady? Uh, I don't see that happening. I also think it'd be terrible television. Yeah. I also, here's what I, I, here's what I don't together. want. I don't want an eighth or a ninth analyst on the set. No, I want Brady. Get rid of that. <laughs> I want to hear how Brady does. I don't, I don't need a second color commentator. Or, or an eighth in a chair booth. on CBS uh, yeah. NFL kickoff. When they have to do the wide shot and they you know have to shoot it from Pasadena yeah. in their studios uh, in L.A. You don't have enough time at halftime to get so, their words. Because it's so in. wide. They got so many guys on yeah. sets. too much. We can't get him a chair like they did Booger for Monday Night Football. Where did Booger do his? Uh, was it was he on the sideline in a chair? It's like yeah, a chair lift, that, right? Yeah, he's on that chair lift. It was the, the what was it? The Booger uh, Booger Mobile. Booger, yeah, the Booger Mobile. It was awful. That he's was just a, driving up and down the sideline. Kind of a lost season that one on Monday Night Football. Good times. You, you All need, right, you needed that to happen to get Joe Buck and Troy Aikman.
All right, guys. We uh, suffered. Next up on our stop, we're headed down to Charlotte, North Carolina, where the ACC headquarters are located, and the ACC will implement a fine system for storming the field or court this offseason. So remember, the yeah, Ball ACC the only pro or only conference that does not have a system in place for fines among the, I guess, power six in, in basketball. Yeah, it's, the, it's problem, the problem here is they're going to be finding the programs that are complaining about not having enough revenue. Well, and John, John Shire said it needs to be done now. He was saying it needs to be done this week. Yeah. So they need to have season. something where they have a fine put in place or something. It, it does not need to wait to the offseason. We have two weeks left. I, I don't think they're going to do anything in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Two weeks left in the, se- in the regular season. But, yeah, I think they're going to do something after the season. Did you guys know that Nebraska has stormed the court three times since January 1st? No. Women's game when they beat Caitlin Clark okay. in Iowa. They stormed the court. They beat number one Purdue. Matt Rule and Trev Albert stormed the court. The athletic director of Nebraska took part in a court storming that led to a fine. And then uh, I, I forget who else they beat, but a third time. They've done it three times, three court stormings since January 1st. I, I think we need to – it's a great visual. Court storming, oh, yeah. field storming. We love the visual. In a moment. It's a reason that we love college sports. Uh, we were there in Knoxville to see the field storming against Alabama – it was awesome to witness. The best sports moment of anyone that was on that field. You need to be very selective, though, about when to storm. Yes. And I don't think college kids oftentimes are the best at perspective of knowing when the right time is to storm. Or care. Davey, you brought this up. Wake Forest was favored on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they stormed. You, you never storm anything when you're a Vegas favorite in the game. It's just the brands, you know? Can't it's, who it. you're, it's who you're winning against. Maybe, I mean, especially this year in the ACC, chat. Yeah. It's... Yeah, four-bid conference at this point. I don't anticipate anybody else sneaking in there. Guys, uh, heading on the road to Indianapolis to where the NCAA is. Um, they're not exactly shutting down shop, but obviously several hurdles ahead for them. But the NCAA is no longer an enforcement agency. Yeah, I'm on the bus with this. I don't – the NCAA, I guess, can, you know, oversee uh, academics. They can – look into the Connor Stallion situation if it's a competitive advantage with, you know, rules like that. But when it comes to what we thought of NCAA enforcement, trying to get people who are paying players illegally or now certainly NIL by court ruled, they can't do anything with it. They're done. They're, they're done for now. Maybe they're a part of whatever's next and they get left in with a lot of tweaks. But I think the NCAA, as we know it, they're done as an enforcement agency. As yes. we know it, Yes. I still think we still see this NCAA group, but it's led by Greg Sankey and, and Petiti, and we see a different – they're governed in a different way. There's a different structure. You tear up everything, and you come up with a solution. And I think that's the problem is they, they can't govern because they don't, they don't find solutions. They yeah. don't come to compromise. They come to try to bring down the hammer, but they're not – they're very selective with what they do and what they don't do. And – they weren't very selective in how they approached this most recent ruling, which just comes across as, uh, you know, the, a mission to just, you know you're going to lose, you need a parachute, you need everyone to get together, and you're not the entity to do it. They can't even get people in a room to discuss this. They're not going to be able to enforce anything. And if you, if you need an example, hello Ann Arbor. Guys, the NCAA, they're getting set for the biggest tournament of the year. March Madness is upon us. We're going to go to Phoenix, Arizona. And the final four this year, right now, bracketology, everything's still shaking itself out. But it looks as though we have three teams that have separated themselves and will be a one seed. Those teams are Houston, UConn, or Purdue, or and Purdue. Your national championship, your national champion is one of those three schools. Chat, I'm off the bus with this. I'll take the odds. I don't know... Uh what the odds for the field would look like if you had these three teams and Vegas was offering this to you. But, I mean, with the way the tournament played out last year, I still like the field in all of this. Go deep into the seeds here, and you can still see teams make a run. Well, we never know until we get that bracket bracket on Sunday, right? And we print them off, and we start looking at it, and we just start going. And then before you know it, a lot of craziness happens, and in your bracket, you've got a different national champion than you ever thought you were going to take. Now... That's likely what's going to happen with me when I start to look at it. But right now, today, late February, I'm taking UConn or Purdue. 
to win it. I don't know the matchups right now, so I can't say definitively. That's who I'm going to go with. I think it's going to be one of those two schools to win it all. I think it's either UConn and a repeat or Purdue pulling off the Tony Bennett special with Virginia, losing to a 16 seed and then coming back the next year and winning it all and cutting down the nets. I, I, that's what I'm leaning with right now, but I'm, I'm probably taking Purdue or UConn. So here are the odds uh, after those three. Arizona at plus 1,300. And by the way, th- th- at the top, UConn plus 550. Houston plus 700. Purdue plus 750. Then it jumps to 1,300. I, I like the Purdue money on yeah. that one. Uh, Arizona, Tennessee at plus 1,300. North Carolina, Marquette. Arizona, Tennessee are both pl- plus 1,300. Yes, yes. Uh, you got North Carolina, Marquette, Auburn, and Duke at plus 2,000. And then you start getting the weeds here. You've got Iowa State, Alabama. I don't buy that one bit. Creighton, Kentucky, Kansas, Illinois, Baylor. Uh, the list goes on and on. What St. Was St. Mary's is plus 5,500. What was Auburn? The plus Auburn is plus 2,000. You bet 10 I, to win 170. That's a, a sleeper good one. Because if you look at Auburn's metrics, they're right there with Tennessee on offense and defense, a little bit behind them. But they've played the same schedule you know, for the most part, yeah. and they are right there even with them in a lot of the metrics. And they go 10 deep. They're playing 10 guys regularly at Auburn. Cray- so that's a Creighton good also looks like a team that uh, is going to be in the thick of things. Yeah. I don't know if I'm taking the odds at plus 3,000 for them to win it, but why not with the way this tournament, again, the matchups, but the way the tournament played out. Davey, what would you take? I would take uh... – Purdue, Houston, or UConn right now. I, I honestly think UConn's going to repeat. Um, I, I look at some of those other teams. Again, it's, it's March. It's madness. I just don't trust any of these other teams like I do um, I don't trust UConn. anyone. I don't really trust anyone. I, for whatever reason, man, I, I'm, I'm a believer in Dan Hurley. I think he's going to get them back, and I think we're going to be talking about our first repeat since, what, Florida did it? It's a pretty good battle-tested Florida team in Houston. Florida was the last to do it. I, I'm, I'm skeptical. Houston, Houston's tough. They are. They're, they're gritty. The NCAA tournament is just – tough in general it's 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 why you don't want to mess with the perfection of it and it is so different but it's so hard because it is getting hot and playing really well for six straight games it's a tough run to go on in one bad performance as highly as we think of all these teams after a full season of play one poor shooting night and you're You're done done. and your your season's over kind of like tennessee yeah well a lot of teams I mean, think about Purdue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Losing to a 16 seed a year ago. Great season. They win the Big Ten regular season and tournament title. They are rolling into the tournament, all that momentum, and they lose to a 16 seed. Well, in the year before that, I know it was further into the tournament, but they lost to the 15 seed in St. Peter's. That's right. That was in round two. Or round I no, want to say that was to go to the Elite Eight. So that would have been the Sweet who, 16. Sweet 16. Are we, who, which program are we talking about? Purdue. Oh, uh, St. Peter's, they also beat Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah, they opened with a win over Kentucky and Oscar Shibwe two years ago. I forgot that their coach is at Seton Hall, where he Off played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he played college ball. What's up with FAU? They're, you came back for this? Yeah. They're kind of a bubble team. Oh, they lost again. They had, they, yeah, they lost to Memphis over the weekend. Well, they, uh, yes. And I think they did they lose previous to that, too? Yeah, they have not been as good as everyone thought they were going to be. Uh, Davey, what are the Florida man games? The Florida man games. Um, it, this is an event. I guess you could call it like a cosplay type convention. But you are having you have some of that. Wow. You have people show up and do what you think Florida people would do. So, for example, there was a list of the events. I guess they had the itinerary scheduled out here. And we started off with some some great competitions. Uh, you know eat the, the butt. eat the butt competition. Followed that up with weaponized pool noodle mud duel. They had an alligator show naturally. Uh, right. A catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes. That was a race. <laughs> um, uh, my personal favorite, you know, Florida you, ma'am pimp pinup. Oh, uh, I guess I have no idea what that Florida one was. Ma'am Florida ma'am I was pinup. I, I was going to skip down a little bit. Uh, the, now, the Florida Sumo, what I'm pretty sure you do in this event, we, we have a video uh, where there's two guys wearing, uh, like, flotation devices, and you're doing sumo wrestling, but you can't spill your beer as you're trying to take down oh, your other that's opponent. Brilliant. This uh, looks like a perfect frat. That is thing. hilarious. And so it's, it's I mean, very Florida, man. I mean, that's the, 
It's what it's here for, the mullet competition. And then uh, another great one, we had the evading arrest obstacle course. So Evading arrest. That's, that's good. We've got a second thumbs up. Getting ready. Okay. Got, the, you can't see it from this angle, but they actually open up a cop car, and the guy gets out and runs. That's how he starts. I'm so excited. Evading arrest, Jack. Three, two, one. Flip phone activate. I mean, how many people are here? They obviously got the Bad Boys theme going in the back. It's not a, it's not a single high credit score at that event right no, now. except for this officer who's much, yeah. The cop's hazed. the only guy with a good credit score. A lot score. of hazing going on through this. No, no one there is getting any loans anytime soon, no. I'll tell you that much. The Florida Man Hazing Games. Yes. So. This is trademarked, by the way. Backing up to the, the other competition, the sumo wrestling. Yeah. Do you notice the guy who lost chugged the beer? Like, the guy who had the beer left, he knocks all the beer out, and he hands his pitcher to the other guy who loses, and the dude chugs it. That doesn't sound like a penalty to me. No. I mean, <laughs> Sounds like the usually to the, to the victor goes the spoil. See, the guy's chugging that guy's pitcher after he won. He handed him his pitcher because he had still had beer in it after knocking all of his out. Chad, imagine having a trophy that says, eat the butt champion. <laughs> <laughs> display that. Many have sought that trophy. And only only you, one uh, can win it. The, the weaponized pool noodle, mud duel. It's a great conversation piece when you have people no, no over doubt. for a dinner party. It definitely, uh, it definitely sets the tone. Uh, Jonathan, can you tell us about this trophy? Oh, yeah. I'd love to. Yes, eat the butt competition. I was Get, everyone gather around. Everyone gather around my sectional, and I'll I'll tell you about this. <laughs> God, for cocktail hour. Yes, Davy. Thank you. Thank you, Davy. Killer sunglasses. That's right, Chad. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Fanta joins us. John Fanta. Uh, who was able to chat with Rick Pitino in the corridors after their win uh, this past weekend. How about He's Rick Pitino bribing a tailor in New York City to get his white suit fitted in time for the game? I mean, Wasn't going to do it the whole time. His wife convinced him he should do it for their whiteout game. And then he went the day of in New York City, and the tailor wanted to leave – to go any, home, and he he bribed him to make it work this time. In any other to get him a suit. college city, That's you don't have happening. to bribe. No, you, you're right. Yeah, you just do it. You know, no questions yeah. asked. You you you're you're headed to the front of the line. In New York, though, they they don't they don't care. They don't care about Rick Pitino. There's bigger stars. He's had he's had a couple different fitted white suits, hasn't he? Yeah, Louisville. Well, he wore them at Louisville. But beyond that, uh, um, they did not do it. Well, I guess no, he didn't. Louisville and then St. John's. At least he's wearing a suit. His coaches don't wear suits anymore. I commend him for that. Can't throw the jacket anymore. I miss, I miss the, the suit days. And he wears the suit. He doesn't sweat through the suit. He's got it. Uh, the new MLB uniforms are going to be certainly revealing. See-through. Those are not good. No, they need to do something. They will. There's too much backlash for it, even for the players. Chad, coming up, Mary Catherine Ham's going to join us. Uh, great piece at uh, outkick.com, which we will discuss uh, plus, uh, you can uh, catch the show on demand with YouTube. Search out Outkick or head over to outkick.com slash watch. More coming Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow right here at outkick.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Michael with Hunter Withrow rolls on. Been a fast-paced show, Chad. Yes, it has. You can get hammered here at Sixth and Peabody. Uh, the plenty of avenues to do that here at Sixth That's and Peabody. Right. Yeah, you can also just go to the podcast, Getting Hammered. Uh, the host is Mary Catherine Ham, who joins us uh, again here on Hot Mike. Good to see you. Hope things are well. I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Doing doing very well. Thanks for the time. Uh, we. Certainly have read your piece uh, and column at outkick.com where the, the media shamefully missing the mark when discussing Lincoln Riley's murder. 22-year-old yeah. Lincoln Riley was running uh, around campus, just off campus, a, a, a familiar path for you, 
attending right. Georgia, and you saw a version of yourself here uh, in the, the Lake and Riley story. She was murdered by Jose Antonio Ibarra. Uh, that's the uh, accused who was an illegal immigrant from yeah. Venezuela. But yet the, the media is not even coming close to pointing this out. Why did this strike a chord with you specifically, Mary Catherine? Well, obviously, I'm, it's a little bit of a personal connection because I do hear about this story. And I think, well, I ran that path every single week of my college career. My uh, club team's uh, intramural field was across the lake from where she was found. I know exactly where this is. I don't know how many miles I logged there. Um, and it did feel like a safe place, right? And it felt safe for a reason, because there hasn't been a homicide at the University of Georgia in 30 years. Uh, the University of Georgia is a is a very special place to me. Uh, I went to school there. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. Go dogs. And I see in this young woman in her Instagram account, which is now frozen in time, she will never add new memories. A woman who is finishing half marathons with her friends, who is going out to bars downtown, who is going to tailgates in a perfectly coordinated red and black outfit, right? These, this is the life that I led. And the life that I've led since college with a career and a family and children and all the joys and sorrows that come with that, she doesn't get to live that life. It was taken from her. It was taken from her. It was taken from her family. It was taken from her friends. Uh, and I think, so there's a personal side of the story, which is that, and I want to honor Lake and Riley's life and the student that she was and a person of faith that she was and all that that means. There's also a policy part of this story, right? And the media's job is to report on the facts as we know them, about this suspect and about the case and what happened. Um, and they're not doing that. They're omitting often that the suspect here was an illegal immigrant. And they're doing that because they don't want a lot of Americans to have a discussion about illegal immigration, to have a discussion about what it means for safeties of communities to become sanctuary cities, uh, for millions of illegal immigrants to come across the border with little to no vetting and no idea of where they end up or, or what they're up to. Um, and frankly, for our country on a federal and a local level to say, it doesn't matter if you commit crimes once you get here, your asylum claims are safe, you're safe. We're not gonna mess with you until you escalate to something that cannot be undone, that is so horrific that we'll finally hold you and maybe deal with this crime. That's what happened in this case. Jose Antonio Barra, was arrested in New York. He wasn't held because New York doesn't hold anyone. Uh, ICE never got notification or could do a detaining order on him. He went down to Georgia because we don't care if they go from state to state and nobody's tracking anybody, where he hangs out with his brother who also has several arrests. But of course, he's safe as well and even reportedly worked on campus in the dining halls, right? Uh, he goes and hangs out there and then he escalates to this, allegedly. Right. And they have video evidence, the police say, that led them to to arrest him. Uh, why aren't Americans supposed to be upset about that? Why can't they be angry about this being preventable? The left is really into policing what you're allowed to be upset about. And this is something they don't want you upset about. But it could have been prevented on several occasions. In, in reading your piece, Mary Catherine Ham with this outkick.com. Uh, and my initial reaction reading, I mean, you struck a chord certainly with your experience doing uh, running around campus. I'm also thinking, uh, I mean, this is this is a Dateline NBC episode with Keith Morrison. This is, yeah. you know, it's it's a headline because there is a college student, 22 year old female, murdered while running. Yeah. Uh, and the the fitting the narrative on the opposite side of this. Why do that, given the fact that, I mean, over the years, I, there are countless things that you can point to that are headline-worthy. This right. certainly fits that mold. Yeah, it's, it's, that's why I think they're trying very hard to sort of downplay it, but it's, it hits an emotional chord for a reason. Um, and no matter how you try to downplay it, uh, people are going to react to it, particularly parents of college students. And I would say I've heard from the parent groups in Georgia and from friends of mine who graduated from Georgia and now have kids who are going there, the online forums are lighting up with folks who are newly learning that athens Clark County might be more inviting to crime than they thought it was, uh, that things might not be as safe as they thought they were, and that the local authorities aren't, are they dedicated to keeping people safe on campus? Because in this case, like I said, uh, a, a local uh, representative notes that uh, he was picked up for shoplifting in Georgia and then didn't report for uh an appearance and there was a bench warrant out for him. So, okay, what are we doing about that? And what does that mean for the future and the safety 
of students at the University of Georgia. I've had people get in touch with me about that part of it because they want to get rid of, of this DA and are actively working on doing so. And I know it's it's a political issue right now, but Mary Catherine, my, my question is, how did we get here that this is even something that's down the political line? It, it would seem yeah. to me that this is clearly a losing argument for Democrats, and that's yeah. why they don't want to talk about it, and that's yes. why the AP and others want to hide it and not even discuss it or mention it because they know they're losing on this argument with illegal immigration in this country. So I... Maybe I'm just being, I'm showing way too much common sense here. Why not just change your stance? I think most yeah. every American would agree, right? Isn't that odd right. that this has become a political thing? Like if, you, if we think, came on here and yes. said, you know, we want to get rid of cancer, everyone would say oh, that, that's a 100% approval rating right there. We all want to get rid of cancer. I don't understand how illegal immigration became a political issue the way it is now and not just common sense. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, ideologically, this White House, which, you know, Biden pitched himself as more moderate, but certainly on immigration, he's not right. Uh, this White House is pretty ideologically dedicated to the idea that people should come in no matter what, that asylum should be as easy as possible, that there shouldn't be a lot of obstruction once you get here uh, to getting asylum or to staying here, even to the point of like, do you really need to show up for any court date to prove that you needed asylum? No, you really don't. Right. And they have they've shown a dedication to that. And their argument is that this enriches the country, that it's not dangerous. And that if you think it's dangerous, that you probably have a little racism problem. Right. But if logically speaking, if you're letting millions of people in over the border, it does not mean, obviously, that all of them will commit violent crime, not by a long shot. But it does mean that some of them will and that you have an opportunity and an obligation to protect people from that. Uh, and the left largely has just taken a pass on that, making the argument that immigrants are in are deserving of empathy and that therefore uh, we can't make them suffer the consequences of their crimes while they're in this country. The DA in Athens, Clark County actually used the phrase uh, she wanted to be careful about collateral consequences for undocumented immigrants once they were arrested. Well, the collateral damage has now become a young woman who lost, lost her life. So I would argue, yes, to your point, it would be wise just to go, oh, this seems like a mistake, the way we were doing things. And I think Joe Biden's attempting to turn that corner by going to the border and sort of blaming Republicans, I think, nonsensically for, for creating a problem that he created. Uh, so they're trying to sort of make that happen. But I think turning on the left and this ideological strain that thinks that this is an unqualified good to have people coming into the country in this way is just not possible for this president. And this was a brutal murder at, at that. Uh, Mary Catherine Ham with us here on Hot Mike. So uh, a female athlete, you've done a lot of running in your life. I'm assuming you've done a, a lot of solo runs in your yeah. life. I, I hate that we even have to think about these things and prepare that way. But is this something that in your life you've thought about where you're running, if you're running solo, how you yeah. go about exercising? Is this now something that every woman, young woman needs to think about? And is it something that you've thought about for years and something that, you know, we as guys just never really think about if we're outside exercising? Yeah, I think it's a real fear and it can be a real threat. Now, the, the important thing about all of this and about random crime and the way I want to think about life in general is that you do want to sort of rationally evaluate, OK, what is a more likely event? Right. And random random violent crime is not that common compared to other forms of crime. So I'm, I don't go out there super scared, but I go out there concerned, right? Now, the AP wasn't really interested in getting into the facts and the stats of this when they wrote the killing of a nursing student out for a run highlights the fears of solo female athletes. They were sort of trying to turn the page on that and move to sort of perhaps the allegation was that like a cloud of toxic masculinity around the University of Georgia was the issue. They ignore, of course, that the University of Georgia had been quite a safe place for the last 30 years, right? Um, so it's certainly a real concern. What gets me about this story is that they use a sample size of two young women killed while running Molly Tibbetts in Iowa, the university of Iowa. She was, uh, she went out for a run and disappeared. Um, and later, uh, the man found and who is now serving a life sentence for that murder was also an illegal immigrant. So like, that seems like a fact worth mentioning when you're discussing these two cases. And yet the dedication to ignoring the facts is so great 
that we didn't hear that in this story. But I think, look, that is a rational fear to have when you're a woman out alone doing this. I would argue that the calculation in Georgia on a bright, sunny day in the morning at Lake Herrick before now would have been considered like, oh, this seems quite safe. That's the calculation I would have made and made many times going out there on my own. And I'm also thinking about the uh, Chad and I have railed on uh, AI and uh, outlets using AI for newspaper yeah. reports. Um, I mean, from that to now the AP and just considering that uh, this is distributed to major daily newspapers, oh, yeah. radio, TV, just given the fact that it's the Associated Press that is distributed in this manner, what, what does that say about where we are? Well, right. That's the one you, when you, the wire service, if you're an old school, like news junkie, like I am, you know, the wire service is the one that's going to give you just the facts, ma'am. Right. The staff that's report. Not yeah. Right. That's not what this is. Um, this is, this is an attempt to omit facts, to elide facts, to even lie about the situation of these crimes. And that doesn't help news consumers. Uh, frankly, I'm not sure the media is that interested in helping news consumers <laughs> at large. Yeah. Um, they often do the opposite. So. Yeah, the papers are just running it to fill the space, yeah. you know, of all that. Do we know that? So the the, the reports are he lived in Athens, um, yeah. it, it, just as a like a resident, or is he homeless? I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure he was out living what he was with his doing. brother, also right, Mary Catherine. I think I read that. Yeah, in your, so your he, story. He was yeah, also so wanted. he had um, he had a connection in Athens. They're not exactly sure how long that connection went back, but the brother lived. In Athens, the brother has several arrests as well. One for DUI, one for shoplifting, which I think the the perpetrator in the in the murder, the alleged murder, was picked up on too. Um, Is he also I, illegal? Illegal immigrant? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's here illegally and arrested several times, and you know just com continues to be let out and not deported. And I just think in our country, look, I I was a moderate on immigration for years, and I swear they've turned me into a hawk because if. I just want to ask the bare minimum, which is, okay, you came across the border illegally. Now you say that you have an asylum claim. I would love to at least adjudicate that. So please show up in court to do that. And in the meantime, be on your best behavior and please respect the laws of this country. And the status quo is just, nah, you don't have to do anything. Take a pass on that. Just, just obliterate the laws of this country and you'll be just fine unless you get to like a really problematic level like alleged murder. Like social media can sometimes, maybe all the time, not be real. Uh, yeah. But how many of the responses have been exactly what you just described, where you're a moderate and now you're uh, certainly uh, leaning and, and facing yeah. one way and not the other? Uh, and, and how many have just been the, the opposite? Uh, so I, I did get one response that was like, hey, don't you know that American citizens murder a lot of people, uh, maybe even proportionately more? Are you worried about them, too? And I would say I said, yes, I am generally worried about all murderers right. uh, when it comes to my personal safety. I do not discriminate in this way. However, the question is, once again, at what point can you prevent a violent crime? And with someone who didn't have the right to be in the country in the first place, you had a chance and you didn't prevent it. That's the bottom line, right? American citizens are a different story. So it, we all acknowledge the fact that a, a lot of media is, is very left-leaning, and that's how you get these, these narrative-fitting stories that we've seen, and, and that's what we're talking about here with the AP. Um, is there more motivation than that? And, and what I mean by that question, Mary Catherine, is do, does a lot of the media feel like if a Republican or Donald Trump or someone gets in office that their jobs go away? that the media is going to be under attack? Is there some yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy here that they're trying to survive in trying to protect one candidate o over another? Or is it simply just that, that politically that, that they're Democrats and they want the Democrats to do well and they don't want to cover them poorly? It's a combo, right? Clickbait can get you a lot more money in the media uh, ecosystem. And if you're clickbaiting sort of one side's uh, ideological preferred notions, um, now they never do the rights. They're all they're always dedicated to the left's preferred notions. And I would argue you'd do better by the media ecosystem, which is not doing so hot right now, if you did just shoot straight with people and tell them the facts. But I, I think there's a combination of things. People coming out of journalism schools and it's going to sound like I'm like, oh, I'm the old fogey telling them they, they, they don't know how to do things anymore. But there's a lot of a lot of people coming out of journalism schools who have been surrounded by people who only agree with them, 
who have to go through a conformity gauntlet to get from basically the Ivy League, which is where they all all start out, to the New York Times, right? They don't encounter any different opinions. They're punished. They see people punished if they do come up with different opinions. Um, And they learn basically reflexively to lie for an ideology, right, that is of the left, and that that's the right thing to do, and that serves the country, and that serves the larger truth, right? So the, the little truths end up not mattering as much. And then another part of this is when you're surrounded by people who all think the same as you, you don't learn how to critically think through an issue. You don't learn how to think about like, okay, what point could have this prevent been prevented? All you know is the right's going to benefit if I say this guy's illegal and I don't want them to benefit. And that the combination of those two things makes for very bad news coverage. Have you heard from the AP at all? Uh, just in general, have, have, have they done any follow-up to this, this story? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, this was a particularly egregious example uh, from the AP. And I just read something really good from them like two weeks ago about the Donald Trump uh, fraud case where they actually ran through 70 years of examples of the fraud, uh, civil fraud law being used. And we're like, this really seems like an outlier the way it's being used for Donald Trump. And I was like, that's journalism. Yeah, that yeah. was journalism. Um, so I was disappointed to see this. And I just think it's like, a real dedication to missing the story yeah. on this one. Yeah, and that their their bio right underneath AP.org here is news and services that expand the reach of factual reporting. Uh, that's what, what they should uphold. It seems yeah. like a pretty important fact that they, they left out of this story. It does. And, it and, does. And, and for no good reason no. whatsoever. Yep. Uh, Mary Catherine Hamm has been our guest. Uh, thank you for the time. Always great to catch up with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. My heart is with the uh, Bulldog Nation, and uh, it's been a rough week for yeah. them. So. Yeah, Absolutely. The funeral service is coming up on March 1st uh, for Lakin as well. Um, Chad, shows up. Just like that. Just like that. Time's up on a Tuesday. Coming up. Uh, Crazy how time flies. Huh? Coming up Wednesday on the uh, on Outkicks Hotline, we've got uh, Clay Travis, who will join us. He's always great. I can't wait to uh, have him tell the story about me trying to get into his house. And Alice yeah. Beach, we can do that. I, I look forward to you telling the story of how he did well, not give you an accurate representation yeah, well, of where it was and he, how hard it was to find. Yeah, but there's two entrances and then two exits. I don't know which one he was talking about. We'll explain it. We'll get to the bottom of it. That's right, and, and much more. Uh, in the meantime, head over to outkick.com slash watch. That is where you can catch all of the shows, live stream, plus on-demand full shows, outkick.com slash watch. Join us for the Wednesday edition of Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow. We start at 4 p.m. Eastern right here at Outkick.com.